thousand one books the experts say you're supposed to read before you die and decide if they're really worth your time. I'm Chelsea, and I love all sad books that will make me cry and Harry Potter. And I'm Nicole, also love of Harry Potter and every historical fiction I can get my hands on. So, Nicole, what have you been reading lately? Uh, I read this really great book um, called Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, uh, which I think was like a runner-up for the National Book Award last year. Which is interesting because I've never heard of it. Oh, it's so good. It's about um, Koreans living in Japan who like moved to Japan when ja- Japan had colonized Korea, and then like over it's over several generations of the of the in the same family. Which you know that's my favorite type of book. Of it's course, like any book where it follows like a, like several generations of the same family, and this was one in J- with Korean in Japan. Something I didn't never, never read, read about before. before. Yeah. And it was really good and it was super, super fat and I read it in like three days and it was the best. What nice. have you been reading? Um, I recently read a, it's actually a book for teachers, but it was really interesting. It's called Choice Words, How Language Affects Learning. And it was all about how the way you phrase things for kids can give them choices like well not just choices but how it can build an identity so rather than like saying um you did a really good job there you would say oh readers always sound out their words I noticed you were sounding out the words because then you're identifying them as a reader Mm -hmm. and you're building that sense of like self with it um and it was actually it was really really interesting and it was a nice read at the end of the year because I was just kind of done with teaching for the moment and so getting to read something and kind of feel good about it again was really nice and the way it was written was really cool too because it was all focused on like things most teachers already do so kind of like saying like you're doing this and you don't know why yeah, here's it's why val- it's validating good. Yeah. yeah so it was really good it was short it was quick it just came out like three months ago so it's a brand new book so if you're a teacher fully recommend it nice and I know you said in a previous episode that you had just started uh, The Age of Miracles, which yes. is a book that I pitched as a book I think should be a 1001 books book. Um, did, what did you think? Do you, did you like it? Would you put it on the list if we had a list? <laughs> I finished it. I really, really liked it. I thought it was very interesting. I'm not sure if it goes on my list because I'm not, <laughs> because I'm not sure if it's going to stay with me. So I want to give it a little bit of time to marinate to, like, see if I think about it again. Because something I have been noticing as we've built the list more is that all the books we've put on the list, I still think about. Yes. Which, for whatever reason, why they were on, like, I still think about them. And so I want to know if I would still think about this book after, like, a couple months down the line. But I really enjoyed it. And it was interesting because I was reading that it's not super highly rated. On yeah, Goodreads. it's not, and it's not very well known. Yeah, and yeah. like people, it's like only has three stars, which is relatively low for yeah, Goodreads. Crime and Punishment has a higher score than that. And um, a lot of people's complaints were they didn't like the viewpoint that it was told from, but I thought that that was the perfect viewpoint yeah. that, to tell it from because then it wasn't so heavy. That's what and made that it was so brilliant. Point. Yeah, yeah, because because it had a child narrator, they could have this like natural world disaster happening without the person the narrator having to be like what's happening on the in japan what's happening in kenya because a kid is just in that way made the, the po- story like possible to tell because the kid's just in southern california telling her story well and they were annoyed because it focused on her family's dynamics like her father's cheating on her mother her mother gets really ill and stuff like that but i i they were annoyed that that was the focus but i thought that that was the most interesting part right. humanizing because that would be what really happened if god forbid our world started to spin slower 
we would still have to live our lives. Like, yeah, that normal doesn't... things would happen. Yeah, and so it was interesting because the complaints that people had about it were the reasons I liked it. Oh, they're failing to understand the author's genius. <laughs> I feel like I think of I read that book twice years ago uh-huh. and i feel like every time there i see, read a story in the news about climate change i think about this book yeah every time it was so good <laughs> it yes. was really good it also had a lot of good quotes in it <clears throat> yes yeah. yeah man i want to reread it very quotable i might have to reread that one so i will let you know in a couple of months <clears throat> if i think it belongs on if my list but i want your... <laughs> it to marinate so yeah that's fair um also before we get into our book for this week we in a previous episode when we read Titus Grown and Gormenghast, we we panned those books. We didn't like them, mm-hmm. and we were like, "But people like them. They're rated decent. They they have good reviews on Litzy. You're like, what? And we were just like, we cannot figure out what it is. And so we put up that call on social media. So I thought I'd share with you, Chelsea. One person responded um, and said on the Titus Grown post and mm-hmm. said that she really enjoyed it, um, Titus Grown, but that Gormenghast put her to sleep and she didn't finish it. And I was like, man, we've been dying to find someone, you know, who liked yeah. these books. What did you like about it? And she said that she liked the world building, the, the crazy the crazy castle and all the rituals and that everyone is in their place and doing their thing to make the town work. Um, but then as soon as Titus left the castle, she wasn't into it anymore. And that she really thought his parents were fascinating, but she didn't think Titus as an adult was interesting. Um, and she expected to hate it because she doesn't like fantasy at all, but she loved this one because there was no creatures or talking animals or fairies or magic. Um, which I'm like, oh, that's why we hated it because we yeah. like books with magic and fairies and talking creatures. And it's interesting because I had someone post on – so Nicole runs the Litzy and I run the Instagram, and someone posted on her Instagram saying the same thing, that they enjoyed Titus Grown um, and they're not a fan of fantasy. But then they went to read Gormenghast and they didn't even finish it. Yeah, like, which is, I mean, I feel like we didn't like either of them, but we like Gormenghast more. Yeah. And so, because Titus Grown is just like a series of character explanations for 400 pages. Which I guess maybe if you were into like... The psychology just, of yeah, it. Yeah, character development and how that works, then Titus Grown would have been something that interested you. But I just... And I usually am. I just, just not, I just wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah, it's just not for us. But it was nice to hear from some readers who were like, no, there is good things yeah. about it. Because there is something for everybody out there, I think. It's not the, for us. I believe in our Gorman Guest episode, we, I actually said, if people like this book because of the world building, the world building, and it sucks. In your opinion. And in my opinion, <laughs> you're entitled to love it. And it's, I wouldn't be around if it didn't still have readers yes, who loved it. true. So. <laughs> so moving on our book for this week do you want to tell us what it was sure we read um we read a book called indigo by marina warner and it came out in 1992 uh so it was one of our more recent reads and it was it was medium length of the podcast 380 pages yeah. in our and, edition and this book um Oh, before I guess, I was about to start giving our quick plot. But let's say, what's your one-word description for this book? Uh, my one word is the other. And my one word was... Nicole's holding it up because I forgot what it was. Culturally insensitive. Okay, so if we were going to get the plot of this book in one sentence, as a quick plot, we would say, One British family in the 20th century deals with the emotional and spiritual repercussions of being descendants of the first people to conquer a Caribbean island. Yes. 
And so before we start talking about spoilers, there are some spoilers for this book. So I feel like um, I wouldn't listen in if you plan on reading it and don't want to be spoiled um, because there are some things that we will discuss that happen. So you can check back in with us later in the episode for another segment and we'll put the times in the show notes. Fabulous. So. Okay. So this book in more detail (laughs) is about... um, it starts kind of in the present, like mm-hmm. in the 90s, and it's about this Brit- white British family, and some of the members are mixed race, because, mm-hmm. of, and that they, like, have, they lived in the Caribbean their generations before because their ancestor was the first white captain of a boat to take over this I- imaginary island in the Caribbean. Yes. And so then it flashes back to, like, that time, and you kind of get the story of their conquering, mm-hmm. and then it goes back to the present and kind of, like, the like said the youngest people in the family in the 90s dealing with that heritage in different ways yes um, and traveling to the island for the first time um but the ne- important thing to note is that the part where it goes back in the past to the 1600s is also a play on shakespeare's the tempest mm-hmm. which i had have never read that play or seen it have you read it or seen it <laughs> i have not read it and seen it and i tried to read like the wikipedia version I did of it read and that. it is a very confusing it was play. very complicated i was familiar with it in the sense that i know that there's a post-colonial reading of it um that it, and that it, people say now reading it through that lens that shakespeare wrote it to deal to process like the discovery of another world mm-hmm. kind of thing or like the way britain was starting to interact with the western hemisphere but not having read mm. the tempest we're not really going to be able to speak to that part of it because i couldn't pick up on well, you could see it. I when I, I read the whole description on Wikipedia, and, and like you could see it in the names, mm-hmm. and then also in the play on the island that they like someone gets like exiled to. Yeah, there's um, <clears throat> there's like a, two characters that are characters in the past in this book. One of whom's kind of response to the people coming from the outside is to like go along with it and feel mm-hmm. like we got to get the best deal we can. They're here. They're in power. And like cooperate, and then one person who rebels and like gets punished. And it's kind and of so you can mirrored, see that in this book it's too. It's kind of mirrored in the um, present because I was reading someone else's description. They said that the present characters were also supposed to be a reflection a little bit. Yeah. Um, because there's also two characters: one who kind of accepts it's a different lens, but kind of accepts her role in being like a privileged person and the other person who rebels against her privilege right. and that they thought that that was supposed to be a comparison right. to the past. Um, but you yeah. all know my least favorite thing is to read into books like that. So. <laughs> Which is so weird that you're doing this podcast. So, <laughs> um, so I feel like I, this, the one weird thing about this book, I would say the elephant in the room is that it's written by, a white woman <laughs> yes in the 90s and not by someone from the caribbean or a person of color who and so it's a little like everything in this book is has to be taken with a grain of salt for that reason yes and it's this book very very heavily deals with race yes so to the dynamics of the characters in the present is yes they're both descended from this man who conquered this island but um one of the daughters is white, privileged, fully like um, her grand. Her, her father is famous and all this stuff. The other girl in the story, she um, kind of carries a lot of shame because her dad 
was the product of the grandfather. This is a very convoluted yeah, way of Yeah, you don't need to tell this. You just say, she's mixed race, um, but very light-skinned, and so she has can pass as white. Yeah, and I was trying mm-hmm. to say the, the history of it because it's like two generations of shame from it that she's carrying because her dad felt shame about it, and now she feels oh, shame yes, about that's it. that's true. Um, and so in the end of the second half of the book, both those daughters go to the yes. island, and one of them is like – we can't feel bad about this. We aren't the personally the ones who colonized this place. Um, and it's right before this island is about to declare independence from, the, from Britain. Mm-hmm. And, 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 so, and so she, like, opens a hotel and is just, like, living, like, a very British lifestyle in this island at great expense. And then the other girl is, like, made very uncomfortable by the poverty and, mm-hmm. and feels, like, lots and lots of guilt. And then kind of over the journey of the book processes, like, how to live with that and how – and, like – really thinks about it and like forms her identity versus the other girl is just like it's not important no this has nothing to do with my identity yeah and 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 then and she meets she's the one in the book who meets a bad end so yeah the doctors and that daughter's name we could just start saying her name is xanthi xanth xanth and the other girl's name is miranda and so miranda's character development i found much more interesting but it is so convoluted for me because it was written by a white woman and it's exploring Miranda's way of accepting her race and how she like yeah so is it's impacted weird. by that and it was also weird because though a lot of the um there's a character who's a man who's a part of the Black Panthers and he is very angry in his scene and he like has conflict with Miranda and they end up in the end finding each other and getting married but it's like talking about his progression through his anger and how he accepts racial relations and I was just like you don't have understanding of this yeah i mean so yeah so so i think like that's the elephant in the room yeah everything in this book has a grain <laughs> taken with a grain of salt to that on top of that with mm-hmm. that in perspective i'll say that i thought i thought that the way that this was told the way it jumped through time the very different the different perspectives of what it would be like to be you know and what it is like for every white person who's benefited from colonialism which is every white person the uh like I thought it was like really well I thought it was mm-hmm. well done like obviously there was like some things where I was like that's unrealistic or she doesn't really know about that and she can't speak to it but I thought overall I also I it was think good- talking mm-hmm. about that she can't speak to it we have to take into account that this was written in the 90s I think a lot of conversations were not being had at that point in time about sure. writing in your voice and using your voice yeah this book wouldn't be written today yeah and sure. I don't think we can't necessarily like prescribe that the author was tone deaf because at the time that wasn't a conversation that was being had so right. um right at the time no one at least no white person would have blinked an eye that yeah she's the one who wrote this yeah so I mean I don't want to pan her for doing this because I think for what she is able to do from her perspective it is well done yeah and I think like this it's like I feel like you can tell she like went to an MFA program or something mm-hmm. because the, it's very it's literary like, it's very literary the I feel like the subject matter and this viewpoint on colonialism is really unique you know, I haven't read about it in this voice and then tying it in to Shakespeare and how people were processing colonialism when it was very, very first happening mm-hmm. is a really cool idea. Um, and I, yeah. And I, I feel like the whole time I was like, I know I'm maybe I'm not supposed to like this cause it was written by a white woman, but then I liked it. I liked it all the way through. <laughs> like I like, I like, it was a, I liked the story. It was a good, it was a good read, you know? I liked it and I liked what it did. I, um, I kept thinking though, I didn't like it. Have you ever read Kindred? Yes. I kept thinking in this book, 
I don't like it as much as I like Kindred. Oh yeah, definitely. But and I think they're. I don't think they're very similar. What's similar about them? Just the race portion of it, and like looking at, I think because Kindred followed the young boy as he grew up in a southern slave state and how his relations with the main character changed. I think mm-hmm. it could also have parallels to how power and race and plantation life. Sure. So yeah. that's, I think that's what I liked this book. Um, but the whole time I think in my head, even though this was Caribbean and it went much further back in time than Kindred did, I was comparing it to Kindred. I don't know why I had just hmm. made that yeah, connection from yeah. the beginning. Yeah. Um, I didn't really feel that, feel the time. And so, that was what I was thinking the whole time. It's like, I wish Kindred was on the list. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to pitch that one sometime. Um, so, but I did like this book. I also, um, I thought it was interesting how they, Xanth versus um, Miranda. Miranda. I also called her Xanthi the whole time, just because I think that's a funner name. Um, oh. I mean, I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's Xanth, but I I'm think not you're right. 100%. Um, versus Miranda developed and how. Miranda's way of taking in what was around her and like processing it and feeling um kind of shame for her her part in the privilege like part yeah. of the world is more what I would aspire to than Xanth in any situation. Sure. So Xanth the character really had very little development and she said um there's some quotes in the novel where she says some like truly horrific things but she just doesn't even realize that she's, she's just she's just completely in her privilege yeah she's the archetype of being completely in your privilege and so at one yeah. point in the novel she says it's always a selective process whatever you do the dominant class picks its tradition to suit we are prisoners of that so we might as well accept it and do exactly what we please right which i feel like miranda on the flip uh-huh. side she like feels feels the guilt and then um I recently, like, heard it said, you know, that, like, white guilt isn't a good enough response to racism. Mm-hmm. That can't be your last thing. But I feel like Miranda is this character. She feels that guilt, and then it changes who she is, and then she, like, creates art about it. Yeah. And she, and she lives in the world in a different way because she's being aware of her privilege and how she benefited from a system, even though people that look like her were hurt by it, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think that's really powerful. Like, that, that yeah. comparison is really good. It's- yeah, and it was interesting. It's like in Waiting for the Dark, Waiting for the Light, how we wanted the character to do something with his feelings. I feel like Miranda actually she did does. something yeah. with her, which yeah. made her a much more likable character. Yeah, she's definitely the one that the author is saying, be like this. Like, yeah. this, this is the, this is, there's no better, like, there's no great response, but this is the better response under mm-hmm. the circumstances. Um, for me, the favorite, my favorite part of the book is when it flashed back to the past and the initial yeah. interactions with the cultures, because... Um, I thought it was really interesting, and like the um, the main character who is like the patriarch of the this family that's in Britain, um, when he gets there, he's like he ends up like sleeping with a woman on an island woman mm-hmm. for a long time, but and then when she gets pregnant, he's he just like pulls himself out, and it's almost just like I didn't even do this to her; she did this to herself. Like, yeah, it's so disgusting. Like it really captures how like disgusting colonialism is you know and like and the way that the um the different responses that the native people on the island had to it and how it's it divided them what they should do and that that hurt them and their ability to fight back because they were divided in their opinions which yeah. that's human right and then and then how their culture was wiped out um and forgotten and so i thought 
And so that kind of reminded me of The Witness, mm-hmm. you know, but I kind of liked how it was handled in this book. It was, um, to, you got to see both sides more, both like yeah. the feelings of both sides more, and that I like that. I think something else this book did really well that was in the past section of it is um, at one point the the native peoples of this island, they rebel against the people who have colonialized them yeah. and fail. But it does this really cool thing where it's telling the story of their like failed rebellion and it's saying this is how many men they sent, this was their plan, this is what they did. And the woman who um, is sleeping with the captain. Ca- the captain, she accidentally lets the captain know that this is going to happen like he just picks it up in her body language she doesn't tell him and then that like dooms it yeah Yeah, but then like 30 pages later it flashes ahead to someone's writing about what happened and it's a guy writing about what he heard happen and he's like and this woman who knew that she had been saved from her native self and that she needed to protect um the captain and his family let them know and because of her she's a hero and they defeated a thousand of the native savages is how he like words it and so it was very interesting because i thought it was a cool look at how History is told from the winner's perspective. Yeah, definitely. Not from the perspective of the losers. Definitely. She totally, like, lost the power to tell her own story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is, yeah, so which is really terrible. So, big question. So, this yes. book made me think about, like, don't, sometimes I'm just like, man, I wish I could just travel back in time to, like, the moment when, like, the Western Hemisphere was discovered, quote, unquote. <laughs> Obviously, people live yeah. there already. Like, um. And just be like, let's not do it. Like, let's like, let's, like, let's not colonize. You know, like, why can't you just, like why choice. can't you just like trade with these people that you just met? Um, like, because it's, because it's like, there's so, like, it's been hundreds of years. There are so many of our world's problems and pain mm-hmm. and in like inherited, like guilt and suffering. And like, that's just like, it's because of this, like these initial interactions yeah. were so bad. And, and why did Europeans think? that automatically that they could dominate like like I feel like we I feel divorced from that perspective Mm -hmm. but it's but it's very much still affects how cultures interact today like pretty much pretty much it's exactly the same and we would like to pretend that it's not as brutal but it definitely can be as brutal in the very very recent Mm -hmm. past and current times you know Um, no yeah it's very interesting but I kind of wish we could just been like why didn't we just be like hey we're equal we both have we both have societies that are different but and can trade something that's valuable to each other rather Mm -hmm. than like oh it would just be easier if we just kill all of you and take this land yeah i mean i think it has (laughs) a lot to do with how um like who did the landing because i think there was a lot of like if we were able to get to you we're superior technology we have all these things you know what i mean like it just it was a power dynamic that was created from the beginning and then the world has never been able to fully clear. Yeah. Which is interesting because if you think about it like <clears throat> it really was whatever um people's like decided they could travel across water first. So like we never really treated um Asian societies as super below European societies as much as we did um, the natives in North America or in the island nations or in Africa because they were traveling the world at the same time we were. They were doing mm. trade. They were doing that kind of thing. Um, and so it, it has a lot to do with the dynamics of who built boats 
first and who was traveling first, which is just so frustrating because I think that also is just like, why wasn't it okay to be happy in your own little corner and yeah. self-sufficient? Yeah, or maybe, <laughs> like, the trees that grow on your island aren't really solid wood, and so you you maked boats out of something else that can't travel yeah. the different distances. But that... you didn't need it because you were happy. Where Like, I just, it's yeah. very interesting. That, and... like, manifest destiny, basically, mm-hmm. that's, like, a very American and European idea. It It's done so much damage. It's so terrible, and it's, like, what can, like – those wrongs can never be set right. They're just terrible, and we have to, like, like Miranda, we have to hold them as terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I also thought it was interesting because Xanth, you were the one who said this quote earlier, at one point makes a terrible comparison of the Nazis Oh, yeah, I, to... I have that marked here. Let me see. My... Oh, no. it's Oh, I found it. I found it. Yeah, I marked that one. <laughs> um, she says that... Um, Guilt is unhealthy anyway. It only leads to frustration and depression, and they don't do anyone any good at all, let alone those people you want to help. Be logical. You aren't responsible for whatever you think happened, which is like revisionist history. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were, every single German should have been punished for the Nazis, but we don't say chop off his head about every goddamn man, main heir that we come across. It would be absurd. And now you believe that you've got the blood of 10 million slaves on your hands. Well, and it's just so interesting because... Um that she was saying that in response to Miranda calling her on, like, this isn't her quite privilege, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't know why it has to be so extreme. Like, yeah. it doesn't have to be that you feel guilty for everything that's ever happened to the world. And it also shouldn't be that you think you just get carte blanche from the day you were born. Yeah, that, like, like some people are, are born to rule and some people are born yeah. to suffer. That's there basically is a healthy medium area where you recognize your privilege and you realize what that's because of. No, you don't lose sleep over what not you did in your life. Yeah. But at the same time, it should be something you're aware of. Right, and, and you should be living your life to, <laughs> to mitigate suffering in yes. the world and, and the effects like of your it's i yeah. just it's just so interesting because i know that there's lots of people who still think like that and yeah. i was just like i would hope that the german peoples know i don't want them to be like constantly thinking about world war ii and the holocaust and the nazis but i feel like they probably have a very healthy idea of that happened we will not let that happen again because we're aware of how terrible it was yeah you know what I mean? Like, well, you'd hope. I feel like I, <laughs> I hope read something recently about like Nazis like, like trying to win some seats in their parliament. So, you know, bad. I mean, the world's apples. falling to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Um, I just when I was looking at what I marked, there's this passage about from Miranda about. Um, I feel like this is a good summary of how she has like come to live with her privilege and like try to to um, be aware of it. Is that she is a photographer and she says. When I take a photograph, it still comes out with my stamp on it. My limits show. If only it were so easy to escape out of oneself. The so-called authentic snapshot always pretends that the photographer didn't have to be there, isn't responsible, hadn't anything to do with it. Um, And so she's saying that, like, my photos show my perspective, and Mm -hmm. I can't claim to to understand everyone's perspectives and represent it as a photographer, which I feel like is a good example. Yeah, I like that quote a lot. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, on a lighter note, so throughout this book, there's the references to the sport that, origi- that originated on this island, this ma- imaginary island that's mm-hmm. in the book. 
and the grandfather of the family in the present day is like was famous for playing it when he was young and it's like the words in the sport are like towns and the areas in this island and it's gone worldwide this sport it's been like the major export of the of the like colonial culture on this island but and at first I was like, is it cricket? But it's not cricket. It's nope. made up, right? It's a made up sport. Okay. Which and I was just like, why go to all the effort to have that in there? I don't understand the purpose. I just Lord, it. Uh, every time they're talking about this sport, I was like, you made up a whole sport with full rules in your head for this book. Yeah, and you just like wanted to use it somewhere. Yeah, I. I found the sections about the sport really annoying. I'm not going to yeah. lie. There's one section where they were talking about how after the islands become an independent country, um, they are talking about how the captain of our team is a compromise choice. Many of our people thought it would have been better to select a local man, a black person. But they're on the international team representing all the island already has one black person. So <laughs> we didn't think it was necessary. It's just like, son of a bitch. Like, yeah. this is an island where everyone from it is black. <laughs> like, like, that's like. There's no such thing as a white islander from these islands. Like, they're black. It was really interesting. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting, too. Um, woven throughout this story, um, she has a storyteller character who's, like, um, telling some of the lore of the yeah. island. And I thought those stories were really interesting um, yeah. because it was her... It'd be, like, little vignettes of, like, three or four pages, and it'd just be a little story that the woman told to the girls as they were growing up. Um, and they were always really, like, cool storytelling things. And I was just like, I would like to read a whole book of this storytelling. Like, her writing of storytelling, because she's such a literary author, yeah. was really well done. Yes. Yeah. I, Yeah. That, that, yeah. I had a lot of good qualities, this book. Um, um, yeah. And let's see. I feel, I feel like that kind of sums up my, like, feelings about it. Do you have any yeah. other thoughts? Um. No, I feel like I um I just noticed something that I think is funny. What? Um, on the back of my book, it says Marina Warner's Indigo is an extraordinary imaginative achievement. It rakes alongside such masterpieces of the genre like J. M. Coetzee's, oh. which is that author that we hated weeks ago. Who wrote the Life and Times of Michael K. It's, that's not the book they're referencing. They're referencing yeah. another book you wrote called Faux, but who wrote the Life and Times of Michael K., which we did not like. Yes, and the, uh, the last quote on the back says, there could be no more welcome addition to the genre of, Brit of the British island novel, a grand tradition which has been languishing more or less since Lord of the Flies. I like Lord of the Flies. <laughs> but also I feel like the British island novel is a colonial thing in itself yeah um and like is problematic that was, i really liked i feel like we don't learn a lot in the united states about the history of slavery in the caribbean even though it, it was, was a big big thing. big thing and really shapes the the people that are from there now and stuff um so that was it was nice to touch on that a little bit and it like it was in those islands really before it was in the mainland mm -hmm. the united yeah. States. yeah mm -hmm. before the united states was really big enough to have that yeah um yeah oh man i feel really on the fence about this book and if i want to put it on the list or not i know what i'm gonna say and what i'm gonna suggest so uh, um i mean i feel torn because i feel like it's immensely readable and it's really well done for what it is but then i st and but then i would and that makes me want to say yes but then i feel like because it's by a white person and i'd ra still rather read a book by a person of color about this subject matter or a person from the Caribbean about mm -hmm. the subject matter, especially, um, that makes you want to say no. Hmm. 
I mean, we're only twenty. What is this? Twenty three books in. There could easily be a book by Perspective Me on the yeah, list. Yeah, I, I. Let's just say what we have, what we feel, and then I'm gonna say why my opinion. Okay. Ready? One, One, two, two, three. three. No. No. Okay. Here's my, here's my reason. I really firmly think Kindred by Octavia Butler should be on this list. These, that, I, I think Kindred should be on the list too. It's really good, but that's not this, the same category as this book. (laughs) But I think though, it does a much better job looking at race, um, from I know it's not the Caribbean, I know it's not colonialism, but I think we have plenty of books about colonialism, and that wasn't the thing I was trying. I was focusing on this. I was focusing on someone how someone handles race and how they feel um, about their like how they feel about their privilege or how they feel how they look at other people's privilege, and I feel like Kendra did a better job of that, mm. and it was written by a black author. Yeah, who Kindred, could, Kindred is an outstanding book. Who could yes. much more speak to accepting your race role than this woman writing a book about that. Yeah. And I, again, I don't think they're the same. I keep saying them like they're the same, but they really just the time travel part and looking at historically how race relations were versus now how they are and how they've impacted each other. Yeah. I think, I know, to me, it's a stretch because it's a stretch to put them and to compare them to each other because that book is about a person from the modern world with modern conceptions of race going into the past and facing that. This is a book where it just goes back to the past and you see pe- there's no time travel in it. You just, you, the narrative jumps back. True. I guess I just. I, and I mean, they both talk about race and they talk about race in different ways for sure. But I, I feel like the colonialism and the thinking of the other and the clash of cultures, that's the central thing in this book. And you don't get Yeah, and I'm trying different. to say, like, I think you get that class of cultures and colonialisms from other books. Yeah. Like, I'm, that wasn't I'm going to have to be an unsteady – I'm going to have to switch my vote. <laughs> I'm going to be an unsteady defender of this book and say yes. And then okay. when we hit book 40 and we review, perhaps I will change my vote. Or come down the road and we read a better book about this – same era mm-hmm. by by someone actually from the Caribbean, then I would definitely drop this one. But but I have thought about this book a lot. It really made me think, and I and I um, I haven't. I, I only finished it today, li- so and I just liked it. And I think that the themes are really are good. And and I haven't read anything else that hand that that uh, especially I haven't read anything else for the podcast um, that do this that does it the way this book does it um, because I because. It is really accessible to a white reader about the such matter. They might not read a book, the other another book that's by. It's possible, you know, like when this came out in 1992 and it was on bookshelves in London, mm-hmm. it's probably more likely to be on the shelf than The Witness, you know. Yeah. Right. If they had come out at the same time, so I'm I'm reluctant because I do see some things about it that are problematic, but I'm giving it a light yes for the time being <laughs> a tap in the yes direction yeah, yeah. it's it's not okay. it's not in full enthusiasm um, we but can it's a tap disagree in the yeah it's been a while since we've yeah, had since like those. the fourth book i think yeah. 20 books almost um but i i mean I, but i do agree that i would i would put kindred on the list for its own reasons for 100 <laughs> percent. all right we shall see oh also side note we didn't bring this up hoyden is used hoydenishness oh, our favorite podcast word. our favorite podcast word that i had literally never thought i had yes. encountered before there's a line 
where the captain is talking about the islander that he is sleeping with. Um, and he says, they could marry, they could marry, he would love her. His heathen maiden, no, his heathen hoiden, like the rhyming of that, heathen hoiden, he would cherish her. Right, and so we learned, we originally found this word in, in Pierre and Jean mm-hmm. and in hoidenishness, and it means like tomboy. And it's tomboy. been in like four books at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's come up so often. It's like the theme of the podcast at this point. It's like, I, <laughs> I had that meaning in my head forever. Yes super fun. yeah um yeah out of all the words that we've like looked up because you didn't know them that's the one that's really stuck for me yeah the one i other only one i other oh, blah, 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 words hard the only other one i really think of is flocculent me too just because i like that word it means fluffy like a sheep <laughs> like a flock of sheep <laughs> but uh, yeah so hoidenishness was in our novel in a really like, terrible way but yeah, it was there you know the, the book is dark it's a dark book um okay so moving on our next segment <laughs> um, is going to be, we thought we'd talk a little bit about summer reads and how our reading life changes in the summer, uh, and if we have anything special picked out to read this summer or not, Yeah. Um, since it's that time of year. How, what do, how do you feel about summer reading, Chelsea? Do you read more in the summer? I read a lot more in the summer, mostly because I have a lot more time because I'm not working as much. I work a camp job during the summer, so a lot more laid back than teaching, so I have a lot more brain power. Um, which means I think that I do the opposite of what a lot of people do is during the summer people on like social media and stuff are always saying they're reading lighter reads, fun beach reads. But I think I read heavier things in the summer because I have more brain power to do it. Mm, So um, usually in the summer is where I would read um, really dense like fantasy or where I would read historical fiction or something more dense because I have a lot more brain power. Um, to process it and really enjoy it whereas in the school year especially at the beginning or the end of the year I read a lot of like fluffy stuff because my brain just needs light and fluffy yeah yeah I don't think that I my reading really changes I'm less likely to read like a like I wouldn't read crime and punishment in the summer Mm -hmm. or like a really heavy hard to read classic something I have to really concentrate on but if it was a lighter classic like the age of innocence I would still read that Mm -hmm. I feel like it doesn't really change um my what I choose to read or my pace but then I think when I'm picking out books I'm am like oh like I have fun picking out books like this is the book I want to bring on this camping trip this is the book I want to bring on this vacation this um I'm going to stay up late and read this book all night because I have a long weekend or whatever you know yeah and and so I try I sometimes pick out books that I feel like are going to be good fits for that you know I do do that, and I also in the summer if we if I go on a trip like a plane trip, I always buy a book in the airport that I think is going to be fun for that trip. Oh, that's fun, yeah. And sometimes yeah. just like as talismans. So I was on a plane last week, and um, it was delayed, and our bus got into a car crash on the way to the airport. It was just a hot mess, and I definitely maybe bought Harry Potter as like a talisman against the plane crashing because that's sensical. <laughs> um, but I just needed Harry Potter with me on that plane ride. So I purchased and Harry it, and Potter. And you didn't crash. It so did you can't crash. say that that didn't work. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible precedent to set for someone who's a ter- scared flyer. I need to buy a Harry Potter book at every airport ever. I mean... I've been on vacation with you and you bought a whole set of Harry Potter books anyways. So, But that is something I do. I do buy a book at the airport almost always because I feel like I need a new book with me on the plane. Um, yeah. And so, and usually if I'm flying, it's during the summer. So yeah. that's something I do that's 
usually a summer habit. I like to travel. Like, yeah, I like to travel with like one nonfiction, one like romancy comedy book, and then one like historical fiction book. And yeah. so then you can switch depending on. Do your you movie. ever go on vacation with less than three books? Because I don't. No. What if you don't <laughs> like the one that you brought? Then you're just with nothing. That's a, that's like you can't live it's with nonsensical. That. I definitely read less nonfiction in the summer. It's harder for me to pick up a book that's going to be about race or gender or something in the summer mm-hmm. where that's going to be like really heavy. Um, I I read more fiction. Yeah. That for sure. Even in my bo- other book club besides this where we read books like social social issue books about social issues we picked a novel for the summer because it was like oh let's just be more realistic about what we're all gonna actually pick up yeah and and read yeah um what are you planning do you have any summer reading plans thus far you know i don't i don't really do that because i just kind of read what comes out from the Mm -hmm. holds in the library like it just there's always something circling through and it comes right now i have an extreme amount of books out of the library uh, which is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> like 10 and many of them are six of them are due before we go to New York in a week and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, they're going to be due when we're gone. So I have to turn them in before we leave. And I want to read all of them. And I haven't started any of them because I've been reading these podcast books. So um, I do want to read when um, I bought a sequel to a fantasy book. I like Legendary, which is a sequel to Caraval. Mm-hmm. I've been sa- I think I've been kind of saving that for a summer trip. Um, yeah. I haven't read it yet, so that's on my list. Yeah, what about you? Um, I'm taking a Tree Grows in Brooklyn with us to, to New York sure. because I feel like I need to read that in Brooklyn. Um, and actually, when this podcast episode goes up, I figured out how to delay release episodes, so we will actually be in New York when oh, this episode fun. goes up, which is crazy and exciting. Um, but yeah, so Tree Grows in Brooklyn, I also... Um, kind of tend to do like what's in the library and what just came out and yeah a lot of book good books get released in the summer yeah and and one that i'm really excited to read is called spinning silver it's by naomi novak she released oh god what was the name of it really good like fairy tale book um oh the name sounds really familiar the author's name oh gosh i'm gonna have to look it up because it was it's a really good book she's a really good author and she just came out with her second book of this type Wait, um, is it is it the one the one with like the tower and the forest? Yeah, what's it called? Oh, that book is outstanding. Sure, second one just came out like yeah, two days I read ago. that. I like talked about that on the podcast. Yeah, like, like episodes like at the beginning of the podcast. But now it's out. Oh, I definitely want to read that. Yeah, because that first book was really good, and I like wanted it to be a series, and it was yeah. a standalone. So the next one is coming out. I'm gonna look up what it is because I want all of you readers to know because it was that good. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, and this will be probably the third time that we've recommended it. Yeah, <laughs> we really like it. So, um, but that book, I really want to read that. I think I'm actually gonna buy it because I know that I'll like it. Um, and so. That's on my list to read. Do you have any series that you are wanting to start or anything? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to read Legendary. That's a sequel to Caraval. And the sequel to um, the uh, that adventure book about the two guys traveling around Europe. and they Gentleman the, Guide yeah, to, to Vice and Virtue. Virtue. The sequel to that is coming out. I definitely want to read nice. that this summer when it comes. Uprooted. Uprooted, really great book really great book like in my top like 50 books yeah yeah definitely definitely my top 50 so um this another book from her that's that same kind of fantasy fairy tale kind of like thing just came out oh i definitely want to read that put that on my list for sure i also have some like i'm on some like 
holds on the library for books that haven't come out yet that mm-hmm. but are gonna come out soon like um michelle obama's memoir i'm like already yeah. in line for that and like 300th and the book hasn't come out oh, yet i'm not in line i should yeah. put myself in line i didn't even think about that sometimes so. i forget to put myself in line before they come out and then i'm like no i'm 400 people back but sometimes they'll buy like 100 copies yeah. and it goes really quick because at least we're in a i've already actually we use different library systems but they're both very big library systems mm-hmm. our city in this the city i live in it has the highest circulation per capita of any city in the united states and then i'm in the <laughs> county library that's next to yeah. her city library and it's it covers a whole span of like 200 miles or no 100 miles i'd say yeah um and so it has a ton of libraries as well it also i'm in bulk still because i'm a teacher i have a county card too um because yeah. uh you can have one like you it's still yeah. you still have a county address yeah yeah so i have both yeah you can um actually with on our library system if you ever have library cards from multiple systems like the way ours works you can something cool that ours does is that you can switch on the same online system between a bolt of a book's not in the one oh, system. Oh, that's cool. You, there's a button you can click that will search the other one. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's it's really awesome. cool and really useful, especially for like Kindle books because it's just a download, so it doesn't matter yeah. where you get it from. Yeah, yeah, and you don't have to pick it up. Or yeah. Whatever. Very cool. Super excited. Right, well, but I am really excited for summer reading. Even if I read the same type of books, I like I – like it's like in the winter, I like to read in bed on Saturday mornings mm-hmm. or in a chair with a cup of tea or at a coffee shop. And then like in the summer, I like to read by the pool or at a campground or on the top of a hike <laughs> or outside on the deck. Yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's like it has a different flavor to it. And I like in the summer, I especially like to I like to stay up late. Yeah. The, I know. There's so, something like about it still being like light. And, yeah, yeah. It stays like, so late and. And I like yeah, and I have go on more vacations in the summer. Yeah. It's like fun to have vacation books. Sometimes I when I go on vacation, a long trip. So when I'm gonna bring a lot of books, I go to like half price books and I buy a few and then I just leave them as I go through mm-hmm. the trip. But it's always so hard to do that. Yeah, this in trip our, I'll probably have to bring library books because I will <laughs> be desperate. In our um, on our New York trip, we were talking about how we really want to go to the famous bookstore, the Strand, and how you know their tagline is 18 miles of books. I know. Deep inhale from both of us. Um, <laughs> and how we're very concerned that we won't have space to get So we're going to ship home. those puppies <laughs> straight back home. <laughs> because we have issues. And it's going to be worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. goodness. Alrighty. Well, I think that's it for today's episode. Yeah, we should draw our book for next week. Book 24. Oh, this is a title that I actually recognize. The Talented Mr. Ripley. It's a movie. Isn't that, yeah, there's a movie. It came I've out, never seen it. It has Matt Damon in it. It came out in the 90s. I don't know anything about it. It has Matt Damon. That's all I know. Yeah, I don't know anything about this plot. But we'll be reading that for book 24 next week. Yay. And in the meantime, you can follow us at all of our social media accounts. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at 1001BooksPod. Let's see at 1001BooksPodcast or email us at 1001BooksPodcast at gmail.com. And until we talk to you next time, happy Happy reading. reading!